statement by the Buddha in the scriptures, in the Pali it goes, Ati Bhikkhuwe Anjatang Aputang Akatang Sankhatang Lojetang Bhikkhuwe Apavisa Anjatang Aputang Akatang Sankhatang Nayitang Jadasa Buddhasa Gadasa Sankhatasa Nitsaranang Panyayeta Translated, it says there is bhikkhus, uh, the unborn, unconditioned, uncreated, unformed. And because there is the unborn, the unconditioned, uncreated, unoriginated, unformed, then there is the escape or the liberation from the condition that created the originated in the form. Now this is just for reflection. Now this, uh, this to me has always been a very powerful statement when I read this years ago. Uh, it was, it was uh, such a, a kind of perfect uh, metaphysical statement of truth is it uh, in its, its own way in a completely rational reflective way it's pointing to the relationship of the condition to the unconditioned or the death bound to the deathless or the created to the uncreated I think one of the religious, uh, the, the aim of any religion is to, is for that realization of the deathless, or the uncreated, or the unborn, in various ways that religions talk about it. Then they, they have like union with God, or various expressions of this are used, uh, and oftentimes uh, they're, they're rather self-contradictory because. Uh, most religions are are very, are stuck with a kind of theistic uh, symbolism, uh, and they don't have a, a kind of zero or a, a an uncreated, unborn uh, God. Or the word God tends to be given attributes and qualities, but when you contemplate this more and more, and as you meditate on this and begin to, to uh, say, understand or realize this truth within your own experience, then the difference and uh, problems of religion seem to fall away because uh, you know that, that 
that's the that's what we can actually realize we can realize in any moment the unborn uncreated unoriginated unformed so the buddhist path is a path of realization and realization means that it's 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 not you don't you don't get something that you don't have you realize the way it is right now the reality is here and now it's not tomorrow or next year or after the next meditation retreat reality is 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 always here and now so when we talk about the dhamma we say santitiko akaliko ehipasko panaiko budgetangweti dapovinuhi these are apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation, leading inward uh, to be experienced individually by the wise. Now, reflecting on this, the, the way it is right now, the, this moment, here and now, say all of us are experiencing consciousness we're all conscious beings having been born uh, in the human form in this state this sensitive state on this planet right now we, this is consciousness that we're experiencing and so this is a way of bringing attention to what, what's actually the way it is the word consciousness or vijnana in Pali is the ability to, to be here and now, to, to exist in this moment. Uh, when to, so consciousness is, we have, say, in, through, the, through the senses or through the, through the mind itself. This consciousness is something to be reflected upon. Consciousness is what you get from birth. It's not conditioned by anything. It's quite pure in its in its in its natural state. It's not. It's like the body. It is what it is. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's a. It's a natural state uh, that comes through the through being born in a form in a separate form. So the the rupa or the body, physical body and the consciousness, they are what we what happens when we're born. This is this is the way it is. This is uh, this is quite pure in its own way. In other words, it's it's a suchness of being. It is exactly what it is. Then, as we as we are conditioned by life, then we acquire all ways of looking at it and interpreting it, distorting it, perverting it, or whatever. And so this is the kind of acculturation process, or the the education, or the 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 stuff we get from parents, from society, from the identities with 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 the body, with the gender of the body, with the appearance of it, with the uh, with the class or the race or the ethnic background, uh, the the sense of your own self as a person, your worth or your worthlessness. All these are acquired after birth. And these, these conditioned states then are uh, 
what we tend to be strongly influenced by, the views, the opinions, the attitudes, the assumptions we make about ourselves as, as men or women or personalities or monks or lay people or Buddhists or non-Buddhists. And this is where all the problems come. It's not through consciousness or through the physical body. The, the, the body's nature is to grow up and then, then to age and then to die. Physical body uh, is natural state and then is, is, is this continuous changing from, from birth to, say, birth from the mother to, the, uh, to its, its maturity, full maturity. And then, after its full maturity, it starts aging until it's time for it to, to die. And that's just the way it is. Now, when we don't accept that as just a natural process, then, of course, we, we tend to think that there's something wrong with getting old or with the illnesses or the pains or the problems of our physical state. We can see that the, the most of us have been conditioned to think, to regard our bodies as ourselves, and and to uh, to invest a lot of interest, a lot of attention onto them in terms of whether they're attractive or not, or young or old, or male or female, and or whatever uh, color they are, dark or light, blonde or brunette. the sense of one's worth, maybe with physical attraction, or whether you're a, a male or a female, whether you're tall or short, or fat or thin. But the identity with the body is culturally conditioned. And so it's, it's uh, even though the, the body, uh, no matter how well, you know, no matter what its appearance might be or state it might be in, when we are mindful of it, then we're actually recognizing it as a natural condition, as in terms of, say, in Buddhist terminology, it's, it's Dhamma, it's the way it is. Consciousness is, uh, means that we're, we're aware of things, and we're, we're, we, we can see and hear and smell and taste touch, we can... Uh, we have a, a mind that that, uh, that we can reflect, we can learn, we can know things. Because in this position of, of uh, say, consciousness means that we are in, consciousness always conveys that, the ability to know things in some way or another. There's always this this uh, experience of subject to object, like uh, just practically speaking, each one of you is the subject of your life, and the rest of us are the objects to you. So that's that's <coughs> what consciousness, what birth and consciousness <coughs> imply. That for the lifespan of your body, you're the you're the subject, you're the center, the axis mundi.
that's the, taken not from the from an ego, egotistical over uh, eg, uh, exaggeration, but just a, a pragmatic reflection of this is just what we're all experiencing, each one of us. We all have to experience life from here, from this form, as life impinges on us, as other people come and go, and we hear the sounds or the smell the the odors or taste the tastes or feel the heat or the cold, the pleasure, the pain or the the memories uh, of the past or the worries or anticipations of the future. These, it's always through this, through this subjective experience that that we're experiencing life. So this is just pointing to the way it is, isn't it? Pointing to Dhamma, the way it is, not not saying well, how we think it is or how it should be, but how it really is. In modern society, we we tend to we tend to come from ideas and ideals about how things should be, and and so that we we even we we suffer a lot because. We, we can imagine how we should be as a kind of ideal person or how somebody else should be as an ideal person ideal man or woman mother or father husband or wife whatever citizen so we we can we can think of, of things in a superlative way of how it should be if it, if it were perfect And that's one function of our mind, that we can create ideals. So these ideals are perfectly, you know, the kind of miraculous mental ability we have that we can do that. But we suffer from our idealism because we, we tend to attach to the ideals. And this uh, you see so much with the suffering of modern uh, humanity is the the kind of despair we feel or depression or frustration or disappointment with life because we can imagine how it should be and we think it should be that way or and then but life is not that way life is like this isn't it it's it's just the way it is right now. There's consciousness. There's this human body and it's conscious and it feels things. It hears language, it hears the voice when somebody's talking, like you can hear, hear me, that's, that's uh, consciousness through the ear. And then as my words say, they affect you emotionally, like they are. They interest you, bore you, please you, displease you, um, bewilder you. You agree or you don't agree, or you like or you don't like it. And that's the the uh, the emotional reaction we might have to the to what's being said. Now the sanya sankara uh, in the in the five khandas, the Vedana is also the result of birth. We're born into a, born into a sensitive state 
the sense sense <coughs> organs, the body itself, the world that we live in, the universe is a is a sensitive realm. We're born in a in a in a sensitive form into a sensitive realm. Which means that it's a realm of feeling. You feel it all the time. Whatever you are, you're going to be feeling something or other. And and and, and uh, this is just this is part of it. This is part of the the deal that you get from birth. You've got to feel everything because the form itself and the environment and the, the whole thing is 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 this is called the the realm of the sense realm. Then from from that our ability to to think and to to name things, to perceive things as such, gives us ability to remember. So we have sanya sankara, in which we with sanya sankara we 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 name things. We say this is a tape recorder, this is a bell, this is a monk, that's a woman, that's a man. This is a Devanrihara. We live in England. We're Buddhists. <laughs> this is is uh, is uh, sanya sankara, which is conditioned into the mind through culture, through education. It's based on assumptions that come out of a sense of a self that I am the body. I am. I am a European, or I am a man or woman, or I am a Buddhist, or I am a Christian, whatever. The, the whole, that whole uh, way of thinking, I am, this is me, this is mine, me and mine, and I am, is the, is the, how language operates. This is me when I, when I have a picture taken, I give you a picture of me, I give you a picture of my face. This is this is me. Your passport, picture of your face. They don't want the rest of your body. Just this much. That's what's so disturbing when the uh, when you go see an autopsy is when they pull somebody's face down over their skull, like a mask. It's rather shocking, upsetting because we we give so much importance to the face. Is this is this is the this person is is this face. And when the autopsies, they, they cut the, the skin around here, and then they pull the face down like a mask, like a rubber mask. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sister Suripanya just came back from Sri Lanka and she um, went to see an autopsy in uh, uh, Colombo General Hospital. And so, some woman, was, dead woman, <laughs> was being autopsied, and the the man that was doing it cut around here and pulled her face back. And then Sister Sripanya said, well, "I wonder how old this woman is." And the man said, well, "I don't know." So he pulled her face back on and said, "Oh, she's about forty years." <laughs> 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 <I'm> macabre. <laughs> Gruesome experience for Sister Sarah. <laughs> 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 
but contemplating just this this I am and me and mine it's like in meditation we we reflect on this this whole sense of me and mine with the five khandhas the the body the 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 the, the, the feeling the perception the emotion the consciousness how this this is this is uh, the assumptions we make from this from this way of thinking and how we we interpret everything that happens to us in this way we think about ourselves endlessly as i am this way or that way i should or i shouldn't be so the buddha instead of encouraging that way of thinking was trying to point to the way it is or the dhamma of a situation Now it's interesting because in modern, uh, when we go to interfaith meetings or whatever, you go to uh, meet other Buddhist groups or other, Buddhi- other forms of Buddhism, and and people will say, "Are you a Buddhist?" and and then some people will say, "Well, I'm, you know, I meditate with Buddhists, or I'm a kind of Zenist, or I, I'm a Buddhist maybe, but what is a Buddhist?" and or I'm a Theravadan Buddhist, or a, Tibetan Buddhist. So a Buddhist to me now is just somebody who who identifies with some something called Buddhism in whatever way it is. Is it so? It's all kinds of varieties and permutations on the theme of Buddhism, and so becoming a Buddhist is not is doesn't really isn't all that important. In the, in the, it's not. This isn't what the practice of Dhamma is about not becoming a Buddhist but in knowing the Dhamma and this is though that they when we uh, even though in a conventional sense we say I'm a, I say I'm a Buddhist but as a as an actual accurate way of expressing my relationship is is a I, I practice the Dhamma because this is this is this is my intention for for living this way, for being a monk, for practicing meditation, is to see the Dhamma, to realize and to keep reflecting upon the Dhamma. So what's the difference between becoming a Buddhist and practicing the Dhamma? And though just the words themselves, becoming a Buddhist imply that you, you take on some new identity, or, or before you weren't a Buddhist, and then suddenly you you become one. Uh, you become converted to Buddhism, or you become a Theravadan Buddhist, or something like this. But practicing Dhamma is is a is a different thing. It's seeing the way things are. It's this using your reflective mind. A reflective mind isn't is our human gift. Is that we can contemplate investigate, examine things. We can we can say, is this body, is this really me? We can we can listen to ourselves thinking. We can hear ourselves our own thoughts. We can be aware of our own feelings, of what it feels like, what the mood of we're in. We can feel a mood that we happen to be in. We can feel and we, we can be aware when there's fear in our guts or when we're feeling despair or 
or loneliness, or when we're feeling greed or anger. There's an awareness of it. And we're looking at these these conditions, because these are conditioned things, the, the emotions we're having, the feelings, the, the opinions, the views, the thoughts, the perceptions that go through the mind. We can think of I am a Buddhist and there can be no and there's not necessarily any Dhamma in it at all. I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Theravadan Buddhist and I was ordained in Thailand and I you can go and give my uh, curriculum vitae you know, in terms of, of all my qualifications as a Buddhist and make me a certified Buddhist. And there needn't be any reflection on Dhamma in it at all. It could be just an ego trip. Look at me. <laughs> or it can be Dhamma. When we see the Dhamma of it, we recognize that, that all these perceptions are Anicca dukkanata, that they are conventions that we use as a way of communicating, but it's not a person. When they say, I'm a Buddhist, <coughs> or I'm a Theravadan Buddhist, that's merely a, a communication, not a position that one takes. It's merely what we call conventional reality that we use in, in a say, mundane uh, situation, just for, for information but not as an identity. Because when we see the Dhamma of it, we see that, that we, we're aware that that's just a condition that arises and ceases in the mind. So this, seeing the Dhamma is being able, is this ability to reflect on the impermanence of this conditioned realm that we are experiencing in this physical form, sensitive state, conscious experience. So we see the Dhamma of it, of, of, the, of the fear that we're feeling in our guts, or the loneliness we're feeling in our heart, or the greed we're feeling, or the anger we're feeling. We're, 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 we're aware of it as we're, we're, be, we're, we're now making a determination to reflect on it, to observe it, to accept it, to, to uh, observe it as the Buddha seeing the Dhamma. And that means seeing it as it is, as what is subject to arising is subject to ceasing. Because in this conditioned realm that we're in, it, this is all, the, this, this body, everything around us is conditioned. So how do we realize the unconditioned, or the deathless, or the unformed, uncreated? Because in that quote that I had, there is bhikkhus, the uncreated, unborn, unformed, unoriginated. There is, oh, that's a statement of, that's, that's outside of time, isn't it? That's, t 
timelessness, unborn, uncreated things, born things, are all time-bound things. The body's a time-bound condition. Thoughts come and go. Sounds and and uh, everything that we see or hear, smell, taste, touch, think or feel, all emotions, uh, everything is is conditioned. It, it arises, it sees, it has a beginning and has an end. So that with the, the, the impact and the power of the conditioned realm tends to overwhelm us. It dazzles us, it frightens us, it terrifies us, it, it, it fascinating. We can become endlessly fascinated and, and uh, obsessed, totally infatuated, absorbed into the condition, the endless variety of conditionality that we're experiencing within this form, within our lifetime. We can see modern life is is aimed at this. It, 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 and I'll say with with the the uh, the technology and all the the material development, scientific development that we've had over the past hundred years. It's a incredible magic or or miracle miraculousness of it all. Just like cinema, movies, or television. I mean, these would, say, a hundred years ago, would be unthinkable. It would be like fantasies of some some person who, whose imagination was a bit over the top. And now, now we we just take it for granted. Television. Who could care about it now? Just ordinary stuff, computers, and all the rest. So that the conditioned realm is, is 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 a. Uh, it is magical in its way, it's, it's miraculous, because it arises and ceases. But it has no real essence, no heart, no soul to it. It's merely, it's, it's just the, the, the uh, endless uh, parade of, of, of things changing, arising and ceasing, beginning and ending. And so there's also within us the, the longing or the aspiration to realize the, that which doesn't change or to realize or to return to or to, to get out of being infatuated and blinded and overwhelmed by the conditions. Because it does, after, you know, one, one can have so much of it and then it becomes wearisome. I think most of us uh, here tonight are probably weary of it all, of just the, the endless varieties and changing things and emotional states and moods of the mind and, and uh, distractions to the senses. Gets what we call, we get weary of it and it says something that belongs not to annihilate or to destroy it, because that's that's uh, uh, that's not uh, that's not dumb. The desire to destroy it all, but to be liberated from its power, no longer be 
overwhelmed by it, no longer be deluded by it, absorbed into it, identified with it. So how do we do that in this human state? Because it, admittedly the body is a pretty powerful thing to, to have to bear for a lifetime. At least I find it so. I haven't lived with this thing for so 60 years now. It's uh, not been easy. <laughs> and it is uh, constantly, you know, it's, it's something always going on. So in the noble truths that the Buddha taught, the realization of Niroda or the cessation. And so this is, this is, let's say, the practice through mindfulness of reflecting, of noticing, of being aware of the way things are. And this is, the, we're aware of, of, say, what arises or what has arisen in our consciousness. And then when we begin to, to fix on that, to, to admit it, to, to really accept what we're feeling and what we're experiencing in, the, in, a, in any moment, we become aware of its cessation, of its ending. And in those moments when, you, when you're meditating, where you have that sense of emptiness or no self, that is, that is, the, say, that is the unconditioned. Because the conditions even though the conditions are still operating, there's no attachment to them. So in this form that we're in, we're realizing the unconditioned through letting go of the condition, which doesn't mean the body, the eyes, the ears, the, the nose, all the rest just kind of uh, dissolve and vanish in the thin air. But it means there's no longer the delusion, there's no longer the hanging on, the clinging, the grasping of these things. There's the, there's the knowledge that what is subject to arising is subject to ceasing. And it's non-self, it's not a, a kind of permanent soul or really me or mine. It's, it's what it is, but it's nothing more than that. So in this, in this uh, state we're in of human human birth from from birth to death of in, in, in this physical body consciousness we can contemplate this this relationship of the condition to the unconditioned for example just contemplate with visual with your eyes the relationship of form to space Because the, that that's that's the pattern, as say, the condition to the unconvenient. So, say in this room here, you can you can contemplate just by looking, using eye consciousness, and reflecting on the relationships of the form to the space. As we we see, as we look across the room, we see the the, the fireplace, the people sitting here. But we're also bringing into our consciousness, we're informing consciousness of the space. Because space doesn't stand out. It doesn't, it's not red or, or purple or anything. It's not, 
it, it doesn't, space doesn't announce itself. Things do, conditioned things do. They, they stand out, they exist. Space doesn't stand out, it doesn't really exist in the, in the terminal, in the meaning of standing out. Until we, say, turn to it and notice space. We, we're informing our con through through this conscious experience of we're looking at it in terms of Dhamma. So the space in this room is Dhamma, it's, and the things that relate to it, we can we, we contemplate the the space was always here before this house was even here. We think of the space as contained in this room. But then we contemplate further, we think, no, no. This, this space has always been here. And then the, uh, the room has been put into the space. <laughs> and we're contemplating in this way, reflecting like this, we can, we begin to, to, uh, we begin to note that, we say, in our mind, uh, just the, we, we internalize that, that pattern. We listen to the silence and the sound. We become aware of, of, of our thoughts and the spaces between our thoughts. Not just caught in, in thinking anymore, but we, we're aware of, of, a, of a thought and, and the space around thought, between thought, that thought arise and ceases, comes and goes, but there's something there that, that's always there, regardless of whether of what the thoughts are or whether they're present or absent. So the relationship of sound to silence and space to form. to realize attachment and non-attachment, desire and desirelessness, to, to really be aware when there's no desire and when there is. You're, you're, you're not trying to get rid of desire anymore, you're, you're noticing desire and non-desire. So these words like Niroda, Nibbana, Viraga, very significant words in the Pali Canon. Desireless, uh, like Niroda, cessation. Nibbana, the realization of non-grasping. Viraga, the realization of desirelessness. And so we, we, we must in order to realize desirelessness, we must know what desire is. Not condemn it or, or form views that we shouldn't have any, but really know what desire is. Study it, examine it. This is like reflect upon the desire, wanting something, not wanting something. Wanting to get something you don't have. Wanting to get rid of something you have that you don't want. Uh, just that, that, not as not as a intellectual abstraction, but as a as an actual 
feeling thing, as it desires a, you feel it, you, know, you feel it, uh, that that impulse of wanting something or not wanting something. Grasping and non-grasping, study grasping, grasp things and really contemplate what it's like to be really attached to something, really grasping it and then let go of it. So you're, you're informing consciousness, your consciousness then is, is something that isn't, because we can be insane and still conscious, and totally deluded and we're still conscious. So consciousness in itself is merely function, it's not, it's not wisdom. So what we're doing is we're informing con this, in this conscious state, we're using wisdom with it, rather than just habit, uh, prejudice, bias, cultural attitudes, or Buddhism, or Christianity, or anything else. We're not trying to, we're not trying to, to uh, kind of develop a whole new way of thinking about everything, or a, or a whole new set of, of conditions to be attached to. We're actually developing or cultivating a way of realizing the way things are, realizing the Dhamma. To me this word realization means a lot, because it's a, it's a word oftentimes we, we use, but in terms of, I mean, in, in practice, the, the third noble truth is the realization, knowing the reality of, of all this, of the, something that arises ceases, because we can we can grasp the the theory of it. See, of course, it arises ceases, but we're, we 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 can do that instead and say, I'm a Buddhist, and we believe that whatever arises ceases. It's not self. That's what Buddhists believe in. They believe in anatta and karma. Well, <laughs> We're not like the Tibetans, we're Theravadans. We're, we're not like the Zenists. And we can become just like, you know, sectarian Theravadans and, and all that, and just through the grasping of the, of the, of the tradition or the, con, or the conventions of Theravadan Buddhism. But there's only Dhamma in any of it when we see the grasping of it and the, the, that these are just conditions that arise and cease in the mind. If you keep if you keep reflecting like that and developing this way, then there are no more problems. Tibetan Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism. Well just no problems. You can see the Dhamma of it all. Christianity, Judaism, Islam, the whole lot. You see you're the that's the Buddha with the ability to know the truth seeing the Dhamma, that's the refuge, and you know, we conventionally refer to as the refuge in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. <coughs> now even though this, this is an ongoing practice, because you know, as many of you probably have realized, you've been practicing a long time, and a lot of people get bored with it. Because 
they, they don't want to take it to its completion. They, they want to maybe become Buddhists rather than realize Dhamma. They have a sentimental, romantic relationship to an exotic religion, or, or maybe just inspired by by the original teachings uh, at first, and then the inspiration goes. But it, uh, it's like a lifetime's practice. It's not something like next meditation retreat you you've got it and that and and that you kind of live in a state of bliss the rest of your life it's what we all would would hope for in the beginning i think <laughs> i was hoping to get out of the suffering and the difficulties of everything and i could meditate you know get out of it all Get enlightened, and then I'll, I won't have to experience the the traumas of existence. But uh, it's not what happens actually. <laughs> but what does well, the, the 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 good result of, of practice is that you you're quite willing to experience life. You 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 you're not afraid of thing of things anymore because you're. You're willing to experience difficult things. You're not asking for favors or trying to get out of things or avoid issues or or problems in, in life. You're willing to 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 take what you get. This is what 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 I see, man, that I feel I'm willing to whatever happens to me till I die, I'm quite willing to see the Dhamma of it. I know how to put it in that context now. So then, because you, you, one is seeing it like that, then it's, it's all right. Whatever happens is okay. Success or failure, happiness or suffering, praise or blame, good fortune, bad fortune, old age, sickness, death, <laughs> separation from the love, the whole lot, you know, it's it's, uh, it's part of one's life experience, and one is willing to learn. One is opening to. I mean, this is where, in the West, people get the wrong idea about Buddhist meditation, because we we oftentimes are accused of avoiding life, of trying to, you know, getting out of the real world and living in some kind of bliss realm of bliss where we, we because we're unwilling to face realities responsibility and all the rest of it some people see it as only as you know as escapists from the real world but for all of us who have uh, you know you don't escape you have to you really have to you really have to look at and resolve very closely. Because the escapes are not, you know, they, 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 especially in monastic life, the, the escapes or distractions are, are minimal. They're not, 
not uh, not many that are allowed. Not many distractions are officially allowed. <laughs> You're more or less stuck with yourself most of the time, which is good because then then things do come up in, in your mind. I was reading uh, this Brian Keenan's book called The Evil Cradling about his incarceration and, uh, for four and a half years as a hostage in, in Beirut. Interesting to read how, you know, when left alone, the first few months, his mind just went berserk. This the, the madness. And we're, and it's interesting to see how he dealt with with uh, with uh, with madness because he he is something he obviously has a, a lot of barometer because he seems to know how to how to do it. But you don't resist it, <laughs> and. Uh, and these things are, the, you know, the the forces of of uh, the, 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 these energies that that one has maybe been frightened of or or uh, resisting all one's life. Suddenly, you feel it's all right. You know, one is is no longer trying to control, manipulate conscious experience, or trying to de defend yourself or or you know, when it's is willing to experience whatever happens, because there's this this innate wisdom, this this ultimate purity of our very being, is what we're taking refuge in, and that is deathless. That doesn't come and go. It's not arising, ceasing. So in this the conditioned to the unconditioned. <coughs> or, you know, I think in the monastic conference we had at Amrabati last September, they, even the word God now means that to me. I can use the word God now after years of not being able to use that word. <laughs> Because my view of God was like a child's view, you know, old man in the sky. Because when you're the kind of God, perceptions of God that I acquired as a child were, were like that. <laughs> God, please help me pass my examination. Please give me an erector set for Christmas. <laughs> please. <laughs> Please make life pleasant and easy for me, and I don't want any sickness or anything unpleasant. Only success is important. Then the the uh, and then one becomes kind of averse to the whole Christian, the Christian culture. Be critical of it as I grew older, and even the word God used to kind of make me feel ill at ease. And then as you more and more you, you begin to, to to get beyond just the the cultural conditioning or the 
the the way that people, the way the Christians, even the theologians talk, you can you you get into a realization of a uh, it's ineffable realization. You're getting beyond the conventions. The conventions are no longer necessary to because you're you're realizing the truth in itself. And this is this is the here and now the the. Uh, the Pachubanandhamma, Tantitiko Akaliko Ehipasiko, Upanayako Bhajantangwe Tidapo Vinyuhi. So now God is uh, unconditioned, unborn. <laughs> so at the monastic conference, I felt perfectly. And I felt a sense of real brotherhood, fellowship with the Catholic monks and nuns and Anglicans and so forth. And because suddenly, it, I think some of us, many of us, just realized that the conventions were no longer we're no longer holding on, and not making an issue about the conventions. There's something in us is is awakened to that which is beyond the conventions. So then the, the last line of that quote is Yatsama Jacob Dikwe Ati Ajatang Aputang Akatanga Sankatang Tatsama Jantasa Bhutasa Kata Sankatasa Nitsaranang Panyayati Therefore, because, because there is the unborn, uncreated, the unconditioned, unborn, uncreated, unoriginated, there is the escape from the created, the condition, the created, the born, and the originated. That's, to me, the most comforting. There is. You're not stuck in a in a realm of pain and misery and birth and death and loss and old age. And as you get older, sometimes if you don't, if that's all you've ever ever really ever you know if that's all you've ever connected to, identified with, it, it's depressing. And then you just long for annihilation as it gets. And if you get old, or you're left alone, and you're, uh, and you get some pain, chronic disease or illness, and and uh, all problems of life, uh, uh, deserted by your loved ones, and and all the rest of it, it it can be a pretty miserable affair. If if you're to if you're still identified, your your identity is still with the with the. Jatasa, Buddhasa, Katasa, Sangadasa, with the condition, the born, the created, the originated. But if you've already broken through that delusion, then whatever happens, you realize that it's the way it is. You're not, you're no longer something you're going to create suffering around. No longer going to 
hate or resent or be bitter or blame or yourself or anyone else or God or Christianity or Buddhism or anything at all because you realize there is the condition, the created, the born, the originated. And because there is that, then there is escape from the... So the there is the uncreated, unborn, unoriginated, unformed. There is escape from the created, the originated, the born and the formed. So I offer this for your reflection.